Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's the Benefits and Wellness Superhero Podcast. This podcast is designed to help professionals develop the skills needed to get complete leadership buy-in on group benefits and shine a light on what's changing in the wellness space. Listen to tips and strategies that'll help you become a superhero in the eyes of employees and management. I'm going to be going through some top trends around benefits and wellness. And let's go through number one. Not a surprise that the number one trend facing everyone in terms of benefits and wellness is COVID. And the impact to that really is that a lot of people have not been for a physical or a regular full doctor's visit for quite a while. So we're going to likely have a lot of diagnosis that is done at a latter stage of of finding those things. Um, That's, of course, going to show up in terms of new medication, new drug claims, as well as disability claims. So a bit of a backlog, maybe, of those kinds of diagnoses are going to sort of affect us. We had a mental health crisis, we know, leading even into the pandemic, but it's been exasperated really by even more issues around overwork and burnout, and of course, in terms of isolation. So we have you know, ideas on how we're going to uh, address mental health. We'll talk more about that in sessions for today and tomorrow, but no doubt that it's on the minds of everyone, statistically in the industry and across Canada and within our own companies, it's, it's staring us right in the face. And one thing I, I quickly will mention um, as a possible solution, it's just throwing it in here, is that there's a lot of concern around how to discuss mental health. And mental health first aid is available to anyone, but leadership and management level and above are really well suited to go through this course because it allows us to better uh, understand and talk um, intelligently about mental health and how to be aware of it. So check that out. We'll talk to you about that in the future. So insurance companies have definitely told us that we're going to see more incidents of short-term and long-term claims. Uh, That goes with both uh, longer-term diagnosis, but other general health conditions are going to push the envelope there. And of course, that's going to impact rates. We'd already seen some carriers really adjust rates significantly on LTD. Uh, We may see other carriers do the same. So other than missing doctor visits, everyone is really in catch-up mode on everything. So uh, if you've had an ailment or an injury, you're finally maybe going back to getting some physio and chiro and massage therapy, not to mention going to the dentist where you're not only going to be catching up on those um, checkups, but you're also going to have many repairs and restorations uh, to deal with. And finally, this is sort of like the silent uh, concern issue here is for people who are currently sitting there uh, watching their screen, sitting at a couch or at a living room or a dining room table and chair, the ergonomic factors of that are going to eventually show themselves. So um, we have some obvious and then some potential um, signs here that are going to come as a result of COVID. So that's trend one. We'll hopefully put that behind us, positive thinking, and move into trend two. Now, trend two is really about the gaps between what we offer employees and what they're telling us that they need in terms of their own personal health. But there's also another issue is that as people have been more remote, it's creating kind of a disconnect in terms of their connection with the values and the general why factor or purpose 
of the business. You can imagine when you're out of sight of that, it gets easy. It's easily to be isolated and disconnected from that. So not only do people feel much more sort of alone and independent, almost like a gig worker as an employee, but even then they don't feel necessarily they're able to get what they need out of the benefits and wellness offerings. So that's creating kind of a movement towards much more flexibility and choice. A spending account is a great example of that in the past where it used to be able to pick up the excess of claims that weren't covered, but now we're allocating a lot more dollars to HSA so people can actually um, you know, choose how they wanna spend their money, whether they be wellness dollars or actual claim dollars. So that's allowing people to sort of personalize or provide some self-care in that environment. The term, in fact, that we're seeing being used is something of what a, is like a marketplace approach. So not only do I have my core benefits within across the plan, but I also have a place that I can go to actually purchase or seek out services and treatments that I personally need. So hopefully that will eventually close that suspected gap that we have. Trend number three, Consistently, drugs have been on our agendas with clients for a long time. Um, so key people, of course, continue to take medications throughout the pandemic. But the actual formulary for what is covered and what is not is now further up for discussion and debate. So uh, should we cover the most expensive medications coming down the pipe? Because um, the new uh, most expensive medications that drug companies are making are for the most rare diseases, but they're also super expensive in the hundreds and even million dollar mark. Uh, cancer drugs, gene therapy drugs are coming through fairly soon. So you're getting a, a real mix and match of specialty medication, uh, biologics and biosimilars. And how is that going to impact your plan? Even fertility medication is coming back in terms of how we might throw that back in as an included feature. So it's, you might be able to manage these one or two uh, higher claimants, but it's having a major impact and will continue to on pooling and stop loss rates. So pooling and stop loss is protecting really that extra risk um, either on an industry basis or on your own plan. And those prices have been somewhere between 20 and 30% of your health rate, they could go up even further to that. So we're gonna to have to look at the competitiveness of pooling uh, rates, the attachment levels for when stop loss actually kicks in. Now, for those of you in a somewhat smaller, more medium-sized organization, what you'll wanna do is crash test your plan to see how one, two, or even three of these larger claims would impact your rates. And we do this quite often, and you obviously want to be prepared for what that would mean to your budgets and if you can sustain it. Trend number four is all about virtual care. Uh, so telemedicine as a service really wasn't being purchased by any of our clients before the pandemic. And then as insurance companies partnered with the various telemedicine companies of the world and subsidized or even included it for free, it took off like a rocket. And now that people are used to being able to you know, virtually go and see a doctor after hours on the weekends, it's created a nice complement to a regular family doctor relationship. So it's here to stay. Even though we may not have bought it before, we are likely if we put it in, we're not gonna be taking that out as employees 
have rated it very, very high in terms of user experience. But in addition to telemedicine, which is like virtual, um, like a family, like a walk-in, virtual walk-in clinic, of course, we now have counseling and therapy available online or on mobile. And so not only has that become more popular and accepted, but it's speeding up the process of people being able to get not only a diagnosis, but ultimately to be able to get to uh, the right treatment. So that's a good thing. Now with that, with virtual care, it means that lots of lots of wellness vendors and startups have come up with ideas around wellness services. We're gonna have a whole session on that uh, tomorrow with Nicole Cairns in terms of how to navigate all these vendors. But what's happening interestingly enough is the bigger companies are starting to buy the smaller wellness vendors and tucking that service underneath an existing platform. So an EAP might add a CBT program or an exec medical system or a counseling network. And those bigger organizations are now creating what's called a front door um, approach. So you, the employee will now be able to go through one access point, whether that's a phone number or a mobile app connection, and then be sort of directed properly to um, the right type of practitioner or counselor. So um, that's a good thing because we have a lot of different channels of where people can get help and we need to make sure they, they find the right place faster. So lots of great things in virtual care and more to come. Now, trend five is really about the push and the pull between the protective elements of benefits plans and the sort of user experience that a lot of the younger employees in your companies are expecting. So on one hand, demographically, ages between 45 and 65, we still, have the typical wants and expectations around dental, vision, group retirement coverage. But then the younger generation is saying, I would measure my plan really on how fast I can get access to protection or to services and how quickly that claim is paid. So uh, not unlike the fact that once you order an Uber, you probably won't go back and, and call a taxi any longer. It's the same thing. Once they get into that environment, that's the experience they want to continue to have. However, the user experience has sometimes been moved forward as the real selling feature of the benefit plan at the detriment to the protective elements and the risk protection. So it's important not to sacrifice that because some of your more senior employees are going to uh, really expect to be uh, protected in those uh, financial or critical uh, illness types of situations. So along with that, technology, of course, has made claim payment easier. I can um, take a picture of a receipt and have it paid right away into my account. There's credit card technology. This is all great, but it's really a little bit uh, concerning in terms of how these claims are going to be adjudicated accurately and how often will they be audited? How many of them will actually get through the fraud detection systems and go through because you as an employer are expecting that the contract will filter out claims that weren't shouldn't be paid and certainly anything that is fraudulent that's going through the wrong way should get fixed but if any of you have submitted claims uh, with the sense that it may get audited I'm not sure how many of you have actually had to produce the original receipt so we're going to be talking with carriers and providers to make sure that there's still the controls 
and uh, elements there to make sure claims are paid properly. So interesting push and pull between insurance and user experience there. All right, a couple more trends to go through. So trend number six is something we're gonna talk about more later in this on today's segment with Sandra Graff from AGS Rehab. But disability management is really concerning for a lot of HR departments because an absence is no longer as simple as, I just had a, a surgery, I'll be back in three weeks. A lot of these um, absences are complicated. And um, that many of them, if not having a first a, an initial diagnosis of a mental illness, it could be the secondary component of that absence as well. So the, those two issues go together. So the concern here is that uh, absence will not only happen more often, so incidence rates will increase, but it could be that duration will increase. The reason why is because we're concerned about delays in treatment. So if you can't get a diagnostic, if you can't find a practitioner to get, um, to get a diagnosis or even get the treatment, you will not move through a return to work program or graduated return to work program fast enough. And again, I don't want to take any thunder away from Sandra because we're going to get in the real weeds of this issue. But as you as an HR person need to figure out return to work, potentially an accommodation, um, and ultimately where that leads in terms of where it finishes in terms of potentially a severance or a termination. Now, just backing up a step here, we also need to look at how we uh, pay short-term disability claims. Some of you know that we do analysis to determine whether it still makes sense to lean on EI, whether there's a reason to ensure the risk of short-term disability, or whether it makes sense to bring it all in-house, self-funded, self-management, or have uh, some support from the outside, uh, which again is what Sandra is going to talk about. So uh, just one final thought on absence management is that these claims are being managed both from an administrative basis, consistently and fairly, uh, but also much more important to look at them from a medical standpoint, because it's the true diagnosis and impairment measured against the job duties that we have to, uh, to deal with. So again, a uh, huge trend, and that's why Sandra was asked to uh, join us later to speak on this. Okay, and the last trend, trend number seven, is pretty close to what we see here at Thorpe Benefits, and that is around broker and, and consultant consolidation. So what this refers to is that the average age of the benefit advisor in Canada is probably in the mid-60s. Um, and that means that a lot of brokers and advisors are slowing down their practices, either coasting, not necessarily investing in services or innovation around that, but they also are looking to exit and sell their business. So there's been a huge consolidation of broker practices, um, companies buying up on mass. Um, but of course, the concern there is that if you're a business, which is very common, is maturing and growing faster, as the economy kicks up, your expectations for service are going to great, going to go up. They're not going to actually go down. So you're going to have to revisit. Many people are going to revisit um, the partnerships there. Um, and again, brokers are being asked to do more because the carriers, in many cases, are pushing services away from them and actually leaning on the broker more often. So um, obviously, this is, this is something we're dealing with at Thorpe Benefits in terms of how we support and ultimately compete in the marketplace. Okay, 
So I think I can go off screen share because those are the top seven trends. I'm sure there's more. Uh, would love to hear from people in the future as to what they're seeing. But um, and this report and this conversation is something that we give as a presentation to a lot of HR teams and HR consultants. So uh, stay tuned and I can uh, can update you on how this evolves. Thank you.